Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join Jill and Tom as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, this is the Car Stuff Podcast. I am Tom Appel. Thanks for joining us today. It is uh, Ash Monday. Jill, what do they call it today? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing? They don't call it anything. I'm calling it Ash Monday. Let me get through the other stuff. Uh, when you get a chance. All right. I, I'm off track already. All right. I'm it's just, Monday. All right. I'm starting over. You ready? Watch. Okay. Or, or listen. All right. When you get a chance, do us a favor. Check us out at consumerguide.com. While you're there, check out our 2024 uh, Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you're looking for a new car or truck. Plus, you can listen to back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. And last episode, we talked all about the Best Buy Picks. We did. So you can just listen to that episode. So anyway, back to Fat Monday. Tomorrow is Fat Tuesday. <laughs> yes. And that's Punchkey Day, right? Yeah, so today is Skinny Monday. How's that? Skinny Monday. Well, not not here in studio. Because <laughs> you have punch keys. I have punch keys. Uh, compliments of Rhonda at Mark's Chocolate in Palatine. I didn't ask her about it because I was running really late, but on their sign it says Mark's Chocolate since 1920. 1920. Ooh. I have to find out where they were because there was not much of a Palatine back in 1920. Right. Palatine was a rail <laughs> stop for farmers. There was nothing. I, I watched this great documentary on the Chicago suburbs. Uh, it was a really great. It was produced by WTTW, Chicago's public television station. And, and the mm-hmm. least interesting suburb was Palatine. <laughs> nothing. So maybe it, had a cho- maybe it had a chocolate shop in the rail station. Maybe. I don't think so. But, uh, so Mark, did we introduce me? Because, by the way, like, hi, I'm here. Mark's Chocolate, though, more important. Uh, oh, God, more important than me. Got Mark's it. Chocolate and Palatine, <laughs> they sent us some punch key. Randy is going to review one of the punch key before the show is over. Awesome. All right. Because I'm not in studio. No, with me, as always, although spiritually, really, you're not here. Uh, yes. Jill Simonello, you are the editor-in-chief of uh, Pickup Truck Plus SUV. No, managing editor. Yes, I, I didn't write it down. Of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. You're a North American Car of the Year juror, and your freelance work can be found all over the internet. How you doing, Jill? I'm doing well. You went to the Chicago Auto Show. I did not yet. I'll be going soon. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I will do this later, but I need to thank the good folks at the Chicago Auto Show for making the show accessible to me, because as you know, my knee is bad. Yes. Bad. But, but you went to the Auto Show. I watched everyone's coverage of the Auto Show. Tell me what you liked. You know, it, so there wasn't a lot of news that came out of the show, but for me, one of the best things about going to an auto show is the comparisons that you can make between the different vehicles. And they did have, you know, some of the cool cars on display. You know, you've got some of the neat new EVs. The Tesla Cybertruck was there. The uh-huh. Cadillac Escalade IQ was there. And How does that uh, look up close? You know what? It looks really, really good. I, I actually um, just edited a TikTok video that I will be posting later today. So, um, and I'm posting a lot of videos of the vehicles that I saw at the Chicago Chicago Auto Show on my TikTok. So be sure to go there, and you can see what I saw. And I will post the Escalade IQ uh, this evening. Um, cool. I would say that was probably one of my favorite vehicles that I saw there. That that was probably yeah. That, it, it, that was it, the coolest. It is difficult to style something huge. And, yes. And I think that, that Cadillac has gotten away with some really great designs. Or I shouldn't say gotten away. Has, has pulled off some great designs that really hide the size of the Escalade. It's a big truck. It, it is very big. And, I mean, one of the things they did is they kind of changed the um, like the tail end of the vehicle so that it is more aerodynamic looking. Um, but it is... It, it's just it's just really really cool, and so the interior. Uh, you saw the the Cadillac or not the Cadillac, the the Lincoln Nautilus at the Chicago Automobile Trade Association and Midwest Automotive Media Association meeting, right? I did. I recall a good lunch too. Yes, it was a good lunch, and 
Um, the because uh, you know occasionally there are things such as a free lunch, but uh, one of the cool things that they did in the Escalade IQ is they have that screen similar to what we saw in the Nautilus that goes from the driver's side all like contiguously all the way through to the passenger side. That is an incredibly cool look. It's clean. It's easy. And and I think yes, d- designers can do more with the dash top than the dash surface. I love that look. Yes. Yeah, no, it looks really, really cool. And the interior itself is just very uh, well-styled. It looks big, but it has some nice design touches that make it feel a little bit smaller. I mean, I, I wasn't allowed to sit in it. I, I, I literally was standing outside of the vehicle while I was taking pictures and doing video. But they did open the doors. They did let me step over the barrier. And I was able to lean in. I was able to lean into it. But I, I, I don't know. I think it looks really cool. I can't, I can't wait to sit in it. I can't wait to drive it. And I, I'm very curious about that screen. Well, you and I are scheduled to get a couple of uh, IQs early. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So uh, just, just some of my takeaways from the Chicago Auto Show. we got to move on because we have so much to cover today. We're talking with Sam Fiorani mm-hmm. later in the show about the future of Jeep. Uh, but from the Chicago Auto Show, did you see the Lucid Gravity? Uh, nope, it was not there. That is, uh, someone saw it. Nope, the Lucid Air was there, the Gravity was not. It was not. Okay, someone reported to me they saw the Gravity. All right, I wanted to know they, what that looked they like. They are seeing things. Interesting. I saw the Gravity, I saw the gravity at uh, L.A., and um, actually had a conversation with Dave Bushko, who is their PR person for Lucid, and asked him when we would see it in Chicago. And he did not give me a definitive answer. But I have uh, a friend who is very interested in the gravity and wanted to come to the show specifically to see the gravity. And so I, that is how I know the gravity was not there. We have learned that Lucid is not making money selling the air. That gorgeous sedan is just too expensive, too loaded with stuff. And it's a sedan. People don't really want sedans anymore. So they no. really need this crossover to hit the market soon. The ID Buzz was at the show. I know that was actually there. That's It was, it was actually there. <laughs> that is Volkswagen's awesome retro-themed minivan. Uh, what would you think of that? I think that is really cool. So I will say the European spec version is still the model they are displaying. So what you see at the Chicago Auto Show is not the okay. vehicle that ours, we are ours actually is going to be getting. Long wheelbase, I believe. Yes. Okay. So it, it'll be long wheelbase, and uh, <laughs> you know, trying to get an answer out of Volkswagen about when this vehicle is coming has been tough. We should see it before the end of this year, but here's the weird thing. Have you heard anything about the ID7? Yes, and I can't remember what the deal was with the ID7, and I can't remember if the ID7 was committed to the U.S. market. So it is, and it was at the show, and here's the really fascinating thing. I've heard virtually nothing about the ID7 other than the fact that it exists, and then kabam, all of a sudden it's at the Chicago Auto Show, and it's going to be launched – before the vehicle, like before the ID Buzz, which we've been hearing about for like 20 years now. Interesting. Tell, um, us, tell us what the 7 <laughs> is. So the ID7 is a sedan that is um, electric, obviously, but it's more of a liftback sedan than a true sedan with a trunk. Yeah. Uh, kind of on the medium to large side of the spectrum, but it looks really cool. I have a video of that that I've already posted to TikTok. So if you're curious about what the ID Buzz is, you know, be sure to at Jill Simonello. I'm, I'm pimping my, my social media earlier, uh, but go over there. I, I did a really pretty in depth four minute video walk around of it. And the other cool thing I saw. Uh, was the Crown, the Toyota Crown Signia, which is basically a wagony version yes. of the Crown. That's cool. Jill, we lost you, but I'll, t- I'll finish this conversation for you until we get you back. Uh, the Crown Signia basically is a version of the Crown with a fastback or a wagon-style body that works pretty darn well. It's a good-looking thing and uh, should do well for Toyota. So now you have the Crown, looks like a sedan, sort of. And the Signia, which looks like a wagon, Sordia, but uh, together they should sell pretty well. Uh, but enough of the Chicago Auto Show for now. Uh, we need to talk about two news stories real quick before you give us a rundown of the GX550, the replacement for the Lexus GX460 midsize crossover. Uh, big news. Now, we heard this news last year. 
Seven automakers got together, and they're furious. They're furious. They're infuriated. They're tired of waiting for the public charging network to be what it's supposed to be. Uh, it just hasn't happened, and everyone's disappointed with Electrify America, EVgo, and ChargePoint because they're just not reliable, and they're doing a lot to hurt uh, the progress that automakers are trying to make in moving people into EVs. So last year, seven U.S. automakers, or automakers that are present in the U.S., got together to start their own charging network. That network now has a name, and it has a certain amount of management structure, which is pretty exciting. Uh, the company is called IANA or ION, uh, something like that, I-O-N-N-A, I haven't heard the proper pronunciation, but it includes BMW, General Motors, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Mercedes, and Stellantis. And they are claiming that they will bring to the U.S. 30,000 active charging stations by the year 2030. This is a big deal, but it's a little bit more interesting than that. It turns out that IANA is preceded by something called IANA-T, which is already active in Europe, and it's very reliable. So there's the good news. We have a charging station network coming that may very well be uh, reliable. And they are describing they are describing their charging stations as airline lounges, and many of them will be indoor and will include rest areas that will have a convenient lounge, uh, vending machines, and uh, clean restrooms, which is a nice thing. And that's a nice thing because when you're traveling, uh, gas stations don't always have clean restrooms. Anyway, uh, they're promising two six to 10 chargers per facility and up to 350 kilowatts of charging, which is a bunch. Most cars can't take charging that fast, although certain Hyundai, Kia, and Porsche vehicles can. So that's pretty good news. Uh, and we should see these starting soon, and again, 30,000 units by the year 2030, which is a big deal. Under the Electrify America Too Little Too Late headline, and this one is funny, basically Electrify America has just announced the same thing. They have opened a, an all-new charging station in San Francisco uh, in the South of Market District, which opens this week. It includes 20 chargers indoors. Uh, with vending machines, restrooms, and a baby changing station, which is nice, and free Wi-Fi. The chargers are supposed to be between 150 and 350 kilowatts of power, which is good, but they always promise that, and that never happens. And I think the odds of being trapped inside of one of these places because the bay doors don't work is very high. <laughs> but that's that story. Uh, Tesla, I'm sorry, Electrify America, a little late to do exactly what we hope they would do. And this IANA network looks like it might be the answer. And manufacturers, of course, have taken this into their own hands because they no longer charge the public charging uh, network. Okay, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. I'm Tom. She's Jill. And Jill? Yes. Oh, there you are. Uh, I just had a key. <laughs> I just had a key lime punch key. Oh, you had a key lime punch key. Um, yeah. Well, you you you're, you clearly were trying to ditch me there for a minute. Uh, well, the punch key we're calling. Um, what is the pearl of punch key? <laughs> I think it's punch key. Punch key. Yeah. I don't know. Did you know that the plural of fish is fish, unless you're talking about multiple species, and then it's fishes. Actually, no, I did not know that. I just learned that. All right. Uh, we. <laughs> you recently, you wrote about this already for us. People can check it out at consumerguide.com. But you drove the Lexus GX550. I did. This is an interesting vehicle in the Lexus lineup because it's sort of outside the regular lineup. They have small, medium, and large crossovers or a new large three-row three, three row crossover called the TX. But the GX is their off-road kind of ready-for-anything kind of truck. You just drove that. That's been updated after a very long stay. How is it? You know, it is really good. They've managed to make it a little bit more refined while still retaining the off-road chops. And it's... Uh, it's got like a wider wheel track. It's got a more upright stance. It, you know, a lot of people are saying it looks a lot like a Land Rover Defender. Uh, and I, I mean, I definitely see that because upright stance. But here's, here's a very interesting thing that I didn't realize until we were really talking about it and doing the deep dive into this vehicle. The Land Rover Defender is no longer a body on frame construction. The only vehicle in this segment is, that is body on frame is this GX. And, you know, you want a body on frame, especially if you're planning on doing off-road things. Or towing. Body on frame you want just, it for big yeah, towing. Big towing, um, which I think, 
uh, they updated their towing. Initially, it wasn't correct on the website, but it, it, it this has a really high tow rating. Nine, there it is, 9,096 pounds. So this can tow that heavy is, stuff. That is darn specific. Yeah, that is very specific. And that's the overtrail model. Um, and it is, that's 2,500 pounds more than the current GX can tow. What if, so I, what can, if I try and tow 9,027 pounds? Um, you're totally fine. That's under the weight limit. Oh, I thought it was, oh, 96? You said 90, so 97. What yeah. if I go one pound over? Um, I, you know, frankly, I probably would go always opt for under. Um, I think you could probably go one pound over, but like, why, why do you want to, why do you want to risk that? I don't. I don't. Why do you want to do that? Tow, towing <laughs> why do you want to do that? Towing capacities and payloads are always a battle between engineers and lawyers and marketing people anyway. And, yeah. and whatever number you hear is probably safely under a real limit. It, you know, you are probably correct about that. Um, but don't don't push those limits. Uh, but this is just it's a really interesting vehicle. You know, they've they've made some changes in terms of luxurious amenities. They've gotten rid of the stupid trackpad that was in the GX. So you now have um, a touchscreen, the newest Lexus infotainment system, which has really good voice activated controls. You have a, um, a lift gate instead of a barn door. So now that rear hatch opens up instead of swings out, but they still kept the half glass that opens in in the back lift gate. Uh, they, they've, they've added like massaging seats. They still have the cool box. So it, it's one of those really randomly interesting vehicles that is incredibly capable off-road, but then has all these luxurious amenities. They made, that it, you they made can, it girly. They, well, I mean, okay. You, you, you tell, um, you tell somebody who's like in the middle of a desert that they made it girly because by the way, like this is meant to handle like desert dunes, long treks. And I will tell you as somebody who spent 10 days in the desert, the end of the day, a cool beverage in that cool box would be very lovely to have. The, the GX <laughs> has always been one of my favorite cars and I always liked it because there was a midsize V8 under the hood. It was incredibly smooth. Mm-hmm. Power delivery was great. You had that capability where I'm a Midwesterner, so are you. If there is mm-hmm. some sort of torrential, ridiculous blizzard situation, this mm-hmm. truck's going to do good in that. But I also loved the interior. It was it was roomy, and it was very handsome. It was kind of man cave mm-hmm. without being over the yeah. top. And I need to know if the new car kind of continues that old stuff, because I have not sat in the new GX, and I kind of need a new favorite car. You know, I think it does continue the man stuff, but they've also added some, some pr- practical things. So if you look at the hood of the GX, You'll notice there are two bump ups on the hood, and then it kind of dips down in the center. And they've done that for a couple of reasons. First off, the dip down really helps with visibility out the front. So you can see really well over the hood. But, and this I think is kind of a manly thing to have done, the little bump up is over the the tires. So it really helps you sight where you are going in an off-road situation without using cameras or anything like that because you know where your tires are going to hit because of the bump-ups on the hood line. And for people who don't know what you're talking about exactly, locating the front wheels is a big deal when you're off-road. And in one yeah. of the reasons that in, in old Land Rover products, the seat seemed so close to the door was because you were literally supposed to be able to put your arm out the door and stick your head out the door and locate the front wheel. Literally. Yeah, yeah. That's literally why those vehicles always seem narrow to big people. Um, but yeah. yeah. So this is a serious off-roader. Jill, we're kind of out of time. Give us a high point of this vehicle. Hey, you. Yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor, Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. Uh, high point of the vehicle is that it doesn't sacrifice any capability, uh, and it's still incredibly comfortable. And I do want to also point out the V8 engine is gone. You have a 3.4 liter twin turbo V6, which is pretty good. And more powerful. It's more powerful, but I will say turbo lag. Here's a, here's a secret, I think. <laughs> 
This does okay. not use the iForce Max engine, simply a hybrid version of the V6. No. And I think part of the reason we're not going to see that iForce and Lexus products is that those engines are just a little bit bad behaving at low speed. I think yeah. that, I think that's what's going on, and they don't quite live up to the Lexus expectation. But anyway, we should take a break. We have Sam Fiorani on deck. We're going to be talking about the future of Jeep. Stick around. Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. And special guest, Sam Fiorani. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. I'm Tom. She's Jill. Jill, what time of the show? Uh, where are we right now? Um, it is 325, Tom. Chicago time. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is the time where I usually pimp my presence on I X know, slash Twitter. I know. I know you know. I know you know. You're messing uh, with me. You know what I saw today? I, I got I got pictures of it too. Uh, the Amazon Hub facility. I was out driving my new test car around past the Amazon Hub facility in Rolling Meadows, Illinois, and there was about a hundred Rivian EVDs ready to go. The EDVs. I'm sorry, ready to go with their headlights on. Very cool looking. So I'll post those pictures later on Twitter, which was the point of this conversation. Twitter um, or X, if if you wanna if you wanna call it that. Yes, I am Car Guy Tom on Twitter slash X. I post fun things. You should follow me. All right, our guest today is an old friend of the show. We haven't had him on yet this year. Somehow we just got a very crowded schedule. But he is Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions. Sam, how are you, sir? Doing great. How are you guys? I'm good. Jill keeps getting disconnected today. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm feeling very discombobulated. Apparently, now, you're, that darn internet. You're in a hotel room in Mokina, Illinois, right, Jill? <laughs> no, I'm in Austin, Texas. Same thing, really. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, same, same. Sam, there's been a lot going on this year. We, should, we needed to have you on sooner, but quick, before we start, tell us a little bit about Auto Forecast Solutions and what you do there. Uh, auto Forecast Solutions provides data and analysis to the auto industry. We provide forecasts going out to uh, 2031 for powertrain and 2036 for vehicles and uh, uh, provide all kinds of data for anyone looking to to be aware of what's going on in the industry. So I, I specifically wanted you to join us today to talk a little bit about Jeep because there's a lot going on there. I've got another question for you first, but in digging around looking for news about Jeep and Jeep's near-term and mid-term future, I kept finding quotes from you. So basically, it's just easier to talk to you. <laughs> right, right. No, I'm, I'm here for you anytime you need me. <laughs> Let's talk strange rumors first. There's a rumor floating around there that I think is strange, maybe you think otherwise, uh, that Stellantis is going to merge with Renault, you would think Stellantis might just consume Renault, uh, but what do you make of that? Well, it was real interesting that that rumor started about two weeks ago, and that uh, uh, Renault and FCA had originally looked at look, uh, merging before Stellantis was formed. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, Nissan, and Nissan nixed that whole deal, and uh, now that Nissan is less a part of that, that package, uh, Renault has the option to do it, but uh, there are a lot of forces pro and con in this situation, and it's unlikely to happen, but it's never off the table. The thing I heard about this particular rumor is, is that it was likely likely came out of the French government, which has a stake in both Renault and, and Stellantis, and maybe it just wants its kids to play nicer. Um, but that may not necessarily work to their benefit. No, it wouldn't work to their benefit because, you know, FCA and uh, PSA, Peugeot, uh, merged a few years ago, and they have a lot of brands and a lot of factories and a lot of people, and it just seems like there's some redundancies there that, that could be eliminated. And you add in Renault, and you add three brands and a bunch of more factories, especially in France, this, is, this is a pro could be a problem for the manufacturing sector in Europe. Yeah, I, I don't see why the French government would want this to happen, and I don't know why FCA would need it. So that's where I'm at with that. Thank you for clearing that up. I wanted to talk to you about Jeep because there's been so much Jeep news and so much speculation. We all know that, um, that Jeep parent Stellantis backed out of a bunch of auto shows for a bunch of reasons, including just the cost, but also because there's just not a lot of product for them to show right now. But 
Jeep specifically is in a weird place right now. In the last few months, and well, I guess we can go back 18 months with the announcement of the Cherokee, but but Jeep has discontinued the Renegade small crossover, the Compass compact crossover, and the Cherokee midsize crossover. That was a lot of volume, and it's all at the bottom end of their lineup. What do you make of this this gap in their lineup now? It's a big problem at Jeep where you have hundred plus thousand dollar uh, Wagoneers and Grand Wagoneers in the same showroom with the Renegade. Uh, it just seems like if you're buying, if you're spending six figures on a vehicle, you want to be treated a lot better than the person coming in for their first drive of a Renegade. So it it, it seems to clutter the dealership and, and make it confusing for the high-end buyers who are bringing in all the money to Jeep. Uh, so uh, eliminating Renegade was not a bad move from North America. Uh, it's, Renegade is much more important in Europe and the rest of the world, but uh, uh, the Compass and the Cherokee are just rungs that they do need to have for that brand. It's too high a volume to be a luxury-only brand. So uh, keeping the Compass, which there is a next-generation Compass coming, it is still in production in, in Mexico at the moment, but uh, a new one is coming, and it will be built in Canada in, uh, in about a year or so. Uh, there's a replacement due for the Cherokee, uh, coming out in the next year or so. But we also have the the Recon, which they've shown, and the Wagoneer S, which they've shown, which are electric vehicles. Yeah, we should talk about those. Because the Wagoneer S and the Recon, the Wagoneer S has a very Range Rover look to it. It's going to be an upscale mm-hmm. vehicle. Kind of an electric version of the Grand Cherokee, I guess, position-wise, but probably more expensive. And the Recon, uh, kind of an electric Wrangler. Now, the other vehicles, the Renegade, the Compass, and the Cherokee, I wanted to ask you about them, and, and do you think that those being more price accessible and being more mainstream vehicles and not having quite the same off-road chops as other Jeep products watered down the brand at all, and Jeep is trying to back away from them a little bit? That was always a possibility. When you have a brand that has exclusivity, like like Jaguar, like Land Rover, <laughs> like Jeep, when you have these brands and then you water them down with, with products like, uh, let's say, the Jaguar X-Type right. or... Mm-hmm. Uh, or the Jeep Renegade, it loots the brand and uh, and takes away from the people who come in there to spend sixty thousand dollars on a Grand Cherokee or a hundred thousand dollars on a Grand Wagoneer, and these are people who want to know that their vehicle can go off road, and when they're parked next to a quote trail rated re- uh, Renegade, it just seems uh, not part of the package. It's not what they they signed up for. Now, the, the electric Jeep's coming. Um, I don't know how this is working at Jeep. Do dealers have to certify to sell these things? We've seen this happen at Lincoln and at Cadillac and other dealers where the dealerships, if they want to sell electrics, have to sort of certify, commit money to training and to equipment. Is that happening with um, the big Stellantis dealers? Jeep has a different issue. They have, right now, they are focusing the plug-in Wrangler that. Uh, have the California emissions. So there are 14 states that are exclusively selling plug-in Wranglers. So we already have a bunch of of dealers that are already set up for plug-in vehicles. So it should not be that big of a leap to have fully electric vehicles, especially in the states that are going to accept it more than, than, let's say, the Midwestern states or the Southern states. Now, moving forward to the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer experiment seems to be something of a failure. They're not selling in particularly <laughs> high volume. They're not bad vehicles, but I think that Jeep's stretched. And as you notice that it's, as you noted earlier, Sam, a little hard to sell something that costs more than 100 grand in a showroom with something that costs 25 to 30 grand. Um, but the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer are interesting, too, because I've had people at Chrysler, I'm not at Chrysler, I'm sorry, at Stellantis, tell me, that the Wagoneer purposely doesn't have the word Jeep on it because they're trying to create a brand that is more associated with high, with, with, with high-income buyers and, and that demographic. So to some extent, they admit that they were stretching too far in building these vehicles. Jeep seemed to be going down the same, the same path that Land Rover did. Land Rover split themselves into three brands, and it was the Range Rovers on the high end, Discovery was the mainstream, and the Defender was the off-roader. And they had a family of vehicles around each of those. And Jeep seems to have done the same thing with the the lower end vehicles, the the Renegades, Compass, Cherokees, and then you have and up to the Grand Cherokee. Then you have the off roader, the Wrangler, and yeah. then the Wagoneer, which was 
listed as a separate model. The advertising did not say Jeep until recently. I kind of want to tie the two conversations we've been having together because you talk about how they did away with, you know, the lower Jeeps because you they, dealers were having a hard time selling, you know, those along with the Wagoneer. But then, you know, the Wagoneer isn't that successful either. And I almost wonder, and I this is this is the question, I'm almost wondering if you think that, that Jeep and or Stellantis might have made a misstep here because I feel like Jeep is supposed to be the every person brand. And so having, you know, a base Jeep, you know, the, the Cherokee, the um, Compass, the Renegade, you know, having those vehicles in the lineup seemed like a good idea. And maybe, you know, they should have brought the Wagoneer out as a Chrysler product, which is more of the luxury brand. You know, granted, Chrysler doesn't really have anything in its lineup right now, but I just, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if maybe this wasn't a weird misstep from Stellantis and if they shouldn't have brought those vehicles out under a different brand and left the lower level Jeeps alone. With all the brands that Stellantis had, they had to silo each of the brands into something. And Jeep was the sport utility brand. And right. while it, it, it seems like it would made have made sense to bring it out as a Chrysler or uh, some other brand as a mainstream, more mainstream luxury brand. Uh, Jeep is the luxury brand for Stellantis uh, in North America. Good point. When, where where I grew up, well, it is now. I don't think it always was. And, no, it wasn't. It wasn't when I was a kid. When I was a kid, no Cherokees and and CJs were everyday drivers. They were vehicles mm-hmm. you took off road and you beat up. Today. They spend a lot of money on Wranglers and Grand Cherokees. They, these are entry luxury to regular luxury models, and it just made sense that the Wagoneer would be the top end of that. It just hasn't hasn't turned out to uh, accept as many buyers as they would have liked. And and we know too they came in really expensive, right? The top line, mm-hmm. the really expensive. The Grand Wagoneer Series Three was was price parity with the Cadillac Escalade, and that was. That was shooting pretty high for a brand new brand. Essentially, what's a brand new brand with a brand new product? I think that that was just over the top. And they didn't when the Wagoneer, which was supposed to be the less expensive version, they never launched the Series One. I think until this year, uh, mm-hmm. so there was never an affordable version of this vehicle either. So they they shot for the moon, and they kind of got they kind of got some backlash for that. Sam, I want to go on to something else before we run out of time. Um, the Wrangler Bronco Battle. Just a few years ago, right? I think it's five years now that that Jeep has seen declining sales each year. But for a while, Jeep was an up-and-coming brand, and they just enjoyed more and more sales. And the Wrangler was insanely popular and insanely profitable for them. And Ford thought, hey, I want a piece of that. And the Bronco came out. And last year, both the Wrangler and the Bronco saw uh, declining sales. Do you think that this is this is kind of – we've seen the max market for this kind of vehicle, this off-road kind of convertible SUV market, or uh, is this just a stall? The market has really accepted these vehicles. At first, the Broncos were just on top of Wranglers. They weren't taking away from from Wrangler sales. But we are seeing a little bit of that now, where inventories on Wranglers are high, and they're just trying to to move them out of the dealerships. Uh, And and it's just going to get more crowded. We have a uh, new Land Cruiser, which is kind of in the same market space. Uh, there are other brands that will come in there, uh, the Scout. So, I mean, the, this is a, a getting crowded and more crowded as the next couple of years pass, and we're going to see the high-end profit that, that Jeep has had for so many years uh, come down because they're going to have to uh, sell them a little cheaper. Yeah, that's interesting. Wrangler was just in a class by itself for so long. And then along came Bronco. And and I remember, too, Bronco sales were strong, and Wrangler sales seemed to be immune to the presence of Bronco, but that's not the case anymore. Um, we're running out of time here, Sam, but what, what are we missing? What's the big news for Jeep moving forward? We're going to see that uh, Jeep is going to re- rebrand itself with this cleaner image, and they've already started that with the 4 by es and it, it with more electric vehicles, and the the off road capability of these electric vehicles will be fantastic. So it will fit right into the Jeep brand as they get cleaner and more and more outdoorsy. It'll it'll be a nice match for them. It's just we're going to see slower sales as they as this transition becomes begins. Demographically, uh, we've seen that the four by E, which is plug in hybrid, very very successful for Jeep. Do you think that EV pure EV is going to be uh, something easy for Jeep to move? 
It, it should. That low-end torque, it makes for a really nice off-roader. Uh, it, it'll be fantastic to see what happens as we go forward. Enough range, if they can get enough chargers in the middle of Moab and everywhere else that these things will have to go off-road. Uh, it, it's it fits in really well with the image of going outside and leaving leaving nothing but footprints and taking nothing but pictures. <laughs> Sounds good. Sam, thank you so much. Remind us again about Auto Forecast Solutions. Uh, Auto Forecast Solutions is uh, available to companies looking for anyone in the industry. Uh, we have, we're available on LinkedIn and Facebook and YouTube and uh, follow us everywhere. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. That was Sam Fiorani, Vice President of Global Forecasting at Auto Forecast Solutions. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's quiz time. Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Car Stuff Podcast. I'm Tom Appel. She's Jill Simonillo. And we were just talking about being pulled over by the police for various traffic infractions. <laughs> uh, yeah, which apparently Tom gets pulled over all the time. Not recently. Not recently. Okay. I was just mentioning that I was able to renew my driver's license by mail. Yes. How quaint. That is, it's, that's a nice thing to be able to do in Illinois. I was able to renew my license via mail last time as well. I need to change something on my license, but I didn't want to mess with it. My hair color is no longer black. <laughs> and what color is it, Tom? Silver, white. I don't I, know. What sounds least, better? Silver sounds better. Silver. Uh, but at least you still have your hair. Let's let's say that. You know, uh, this is way too much information, but sometime around the time I turned 40, it started to recede very quickly and then stopped. I don't oh, know what that go. was. It was just a threat from Mother Nature. <laughs> eat your veggies that's what mother nature yeah. was saying my, my dad has all his hair and it's very silver white all right jill uh we should talk social media real quick uh you you've given up social media for lent right no never oh <laughs> you never never um that would be like cutting off my arm no um well i already mentioned it a little bit earlier i do uh have tiktok but i'm also on instagram linkedin facebook uh threads posts all of the things um, at Jill Simonello. So just my name, all one word, but Simonello can be hard to spell. So I always say find me via the hashtag car du jour. So again, all one word, car du jour. Sounds good. Du jour spelled like uh, Camp Lejeune, right? <laughs> no, like soup du jour. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Never heard of it. Yes. It's it's usually French onion, just it, by the way. It should be. French onion rules. <laughs> They're, they're it the, does. the Chicago diner sometimes has uh, vegetarian uh, French onion soup. Um, I very sadly occasionally ask for French onion soup without the French part, so no bread and no cheese. <laughs> what is wrong Just with the, you? Well, I, I know. That's I, why I, you I, want I, it. I don't care about I, the soup I stuff. I want the gooey bread. All right, Jill, it's I quiz like time. We, we have digressed okay. too far. Um, okay. <laughs> today's topic, are you ready? Um, I am ready. Chrysler or no Chrysler? Um, I'm going to say no Chrysler for pretty much everything. <laughs> it's no Chrysler. There's only one vehicle in the lineup. That may not serve you well. Uh, historically, okay. I'm going to give you a model name. You have to tell me if there was ever a Chrysler named that. And and you mean actually Chrysler, not like... Yes, Chrysler Clemens. itself, the Chrysler brand. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, so very simply, five questions plus the bonus. You've been giving me crap about not explaining the rules. Those are the rules. You have to get three of the six total, including the bonus question. Okay. You sound good? You ready? I'm I'm ready. Do you need to take a drink? Um, no, no right. I don't. All right, number one, the Chrysler Laser. Was that a real car? Have you ever heard a new digital trend and thought to yourself, okay, does this really matter? Asking the right questions helps you cut through the noise and get down to what matters most. I'm Jim Hertzfeld, host of the What If So What podcast, where we discover what's possible with digital and figure out how to make it real by asking what if, so what, and most importantly, now what? Subscribe and listen, and together we can turn big ideas into tangible actions so you can get shit done. Not in my lifetime, or at least not within my memory. So I'm going to say no. Ah, there was a Chrysler Laser. 
Ah. Yeah, it was a version of the Dodge Daytona, which was based on the K car. It was sold between 1984 and 1993. Jill, you have no points. No points. Your favorite phrase. It is. Yeah, and I got to use it today. You did. You haven't had to use it for a while, no, but no, you got to use it today. No points. You may be in trouble here. Um, are Uh-oh. you ready? Number two? I, I Clearly, I am not ready, but go for it anyway. Do you need to take a drink? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take a drink. I'm, I'm, right. taking, I'm taking a drink. Yeah. This isn't getting easier. Okay. Okay. The Chrysler Marathon. Real or not real? Hmm. I feel like you threw that in because I'm a runner. I did not. Okay. Um... You're I've never heard. I know. I've never heard of a Chrysler Marathon. Um, but since you said if I say no Chrysler for everything, it would not serve me well. I almost feel like it's a Chrysler. Um, I'll say yes. No, no. Oh! No. no, there was the Checker Marathon, oh! which was the famous New York and Chicago and big city cab. It was built between okay. 1962 and 1982. The car looked dated the day it was built. Looked like a 50s car. Very good cab. Very good use of space. But that was the marath- checker marathon. There was no Chrysler Marathon. You have no points, and you only have four I, opportunities. I still, I still have no points. Got yeah. it. All right. Mm-hmm. You're, killing your, you're killing your record here. You had like a run. I know. I'm, I'm heading down in flames today. All right. Number three, the Chrysler E-Class. I kind of hate you right now because I know the... Um, E-Class is a Mercedes, and usually they don't poach off of other automakers' names. But once upon a time, that wasn't a very important thing. Um, I'm going to say no. Yes. Yes. Like, today is the opposite day, clearly. The Chrysler E-Class was offered between 1983 and 1984. It was a version of the Plymouth Caravelle and the Dodge 600, which was just a long wheelbase K-car because everything Chrysler sold then was a K-car of some sort. You have no points. You have to run this one through. You have to get the next three correct. Are you ready? And I'm betting I will not do that. I I don't even know that I'm going to get a single one correct. Um, I I said I was ready. I was very enthusiastically ready, but clearly not ready. I feel good about the bonus question for you. Oh, okay. Number, you always feel good about the bonus question. I do. Number four. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The, Chrys- okay. the Chrysler Conquest. That sounds vaguely familiar. Uh-huh. I, feel, I know that there's something. I Well, there was a Nissan Quest. Yes. But was there a Chrysler Conquest? My instinct is to say Yes. So mm-hmm. I almost feel like I should say no because it's opposite day. So I'm going to say no. Oh, you should have followed your instinct. Ah. The, Chrys- the Chrysler Conquest was a heck of a cool car. It was based on the uh, Mitsubishi Starion, offered by Chrysler between 1987 and 1989. There were Plymouth and Dodge versions of the car, but this was a true sports coupe with a rear-wheel drive, uh, a balance-shafted and intercooled turbocharged 2.6-liter engine. It was really a... Cool car for its day. Great looking and very popular with collectors. Uh, you have no points rolling into the last one. Are you ready? Clearly not going to win anything today. Let's, um, sh- sh- let's let's go. Let's see if I can make it 0 for 5. Uh, I was hoping you'd avoid the shutout. Oh, no. I don't think I'm going to avoid the shutout. Clearly, I am not familiar with Chrysler at all. At least uh, not before about 2000. All right. The Chrysler Fifth Avenue. Real or not real? I know there was a Buick Park Avenue. There was. I'm going to say not real. Oh, uh, that one was real. <laughs> I don't I don't mean to rub it in, but you got your ass kicked today. Oh, uh, the Chrysler I Fifth totally Avenue. I totally did. Actually, yes. Fifth Avenue was used a lot at different points, but probably most famously between 1982 and 1989. It was one of Chrysler's M-body cars along with the Dodge Diplomat and the Plymouth Grand Fury. It was the last vehicle, I believe, sold by Chrysler available with the famous Slant 6. Though I don't know how many Slant 6s made it into the Chrysler version of the vehicle. Jill, you have no points. Okay, and you want to know what all of these vehicles have in common? You don't know what they are. They were available before I could even drive. Uh, Is that true of the Laser, 1993? Yes, that would be before you could drive. Mm. All right, yeah. So thanks for that. Even I was young in 1993. (laughs) Well, was was I drinking age yet? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um... (laughs) The bonus question can save you. Are you ready? It cannot save me, but go ahead. 
According to financial publication Kiplinger, which I always called Kiplingers, which is wrong. It's singular. Okay. Non-possessive. Kiplinger. Which of the following is the best-selling breakfast cereal in America? Are you ready? Okay. Honey Bunches of Oats, Kellogg's Mm -hmm. Frosted Flakes, Honey Nut Cheerios, or regular old boring Cheerios? Uh, My instinct tells me boring Cheerios, but I really want to say Frosted Flakes. Um, I'm going to say boring Cheerios. You are correct. You got the bonus question. I would have I would have guessed Frosted Flakes too, but regular old Cheerios. Also, they sell those now as health food. Do you follow those ads? Uh, yeah, I do. I that's BS. <laughs> <laughs> the, Anything that comes in a box is not a health food. I just want to be very clear. What if you put carrots in a box? Um, then they would probably still not be a health food because they would probably be dried and processed in some way. All right, there you have it. Box food, not healthy. Honey Nut Cheerios. Not a sweet version of something healthy. Ah, oh, there you go. You got one point today. Just the <laughs> bonus question. You need to start over with a brand new, uh, with a brand new streak. Are you here? In, are you in studio next week? I think I am. All right. Uh, we need to go to producer Randy for his take on the Mark's chocolate punchki. Oh yes, Randy, are you with us? I, I'm here. All right. Now you. <laughs> I need to. Which one? You had the strawberry? No, you had no. The, this is a some kind of chocolate. Oh, chocolate. Yeah. Ooh. Chocolate filled. Oh. Uh, it's good. I, I, I have to say that I did not grow up in Chicago, so punch keys are, if I have it once a year, that's like maybe more than enough for me. But, <laughs> but uh, it, this, is, this is good. It is good. Yeah, I've got the key lime here. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That good. sounds interesting. Also, I'm with you. Uh, now, I grew up German, and my folks were not super experimental. Mm-hmm. And even though I grew up in the city, mm-hmm. we never did the punchki thing. I think the punchki thing sort of expanded recently. I'd like to know the scientific thing behind punchkis. Is this like four times the lard in there, or what is the actual <laughs> thing? I, I don't really quite get it. I don't know, because these are relatively donut-like. Yeah, these actually, these today are more than what I remember from previous years. And they're not massive. Yeah. Um, I remember getting punchki from a Polish bakery on Milwaukee. That isn't there anymore. It was just uh, north of Superdog in Milwaukee. And they were huge. <laughs> they, they were like whopper size. Yeah, they weigh like two pounds. Yeah, yeah and yeah. they were instant death, I'm sure. Yeah. They were good. <laughs> also, they were very strange flavors, like rose. <laughs> <laughs> like rose water. And I'm like, I don't I don't need that. I don't understand that. But Punchki's pretty special. A Chicago thing kind of, very Polish. These but these, are, yeah, these are among the best I've had. Yeah. I'll so thank you. Thank you to the good folks at Mark's. Uh, Randy, thank you for your review review. Jill, we're almost out of time. What do you got going on? You're can you talk about what you're driving? Um yeah, I think I can talk about what I'm driving. I can't um driving impressions will be embargoed, but I am currently in Austin, Texas, and tomorrow I'm going to be driving the 2025 Ram 1500. So this is the new redesigned version of the Ram which was last redesigned in 2019. This is such a big deal. Yeah, so they've done away with the Hemi engine. This will have the the new um six-cylinder hurricane and the hurricane high output version and uh we're not driving the electrified version so no ram rev no ram charger this is strictly the gas model that i'll be looking at tomorrow yeah and i think the the lack of availability of this vehicle is part of the reason we're not seeing Stellantis show up at auto shows this year um yeah yeah they can't show these yet because they literally don't exist yet yeah. Well, you know what I find to be really interesting is they revealed this vehicle virtually and nobody nobody has seen the 2025. Like the first time I think anybody is going to see this vehicle in person is like tomorrow. You know what else is interesting is that Chrysler is going to be revealing something this week. Um, and do and you think that that might have been a cool thing to have auto show access for, but that's not what they did with this. They they did not. Um, yeah, I, I I think the Ram fifteen hundred. And you know, we haven't even really seen the Ram Charger either. So I I just I think that there was an opportunity there for them to show some product that people could be excited about, and they did not. Um, they did not. And that, that Wagoneer S 
that we were talking about with Sam. You know, they've revealed that virtually, but they haven't shown it. Yeah. So there, there are actually some things out there that would be worth seeing in a Stellantis display. And we got Nada. I think what we're going to see moving forward regarding reveals at auto shows is that if you have a relatively minor or not huge bit of news, you want to be associated with an auto show and part of the news that that constitutes whatever's happening with that auto show. But if you have a major reveal, why would you want to mix that up with everyone else's news? But but you know what? I don't I don't have a problem with that. So Ford kind of did something similar to that. They revealed the 2025 Ford um, Explorer. And they, they, they had a very small program in Detroit. A few people were allowed to go in. I was invited. I couldn't go because it conflicted with something else. But they brought it to the Chicago Auto Show. So even though like 20 or 30 people had the opportunity to see it in advance, there are still a couple hundred people who haven't had the chance to see it. And the whole, you know, Chicagoland area who hasn't seen it, who's probably read about it online and voila, now it's at the Chicago Auto Show and people will have the chance to see it, touch it, sit in it. You feel, you know, the difference. The interior is a lot nicer. It looks really good. And I, you know, I just, it boggles my mind that I, I'm totally cool with offsite virtual reveals. Totally fine with that. But why wouldn't you bring that to an auto show so people could see it? Well, I think that's the future. I think that you're going to see big reveals virtually, and then that way a manufacturer can make all the news it wants to in an isolation. And on its it, own cycle. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. On its own cycle, Joe. And then, yes, bring it to the next possible show so people can see it. And Ford did that with the Explorer. And then we have yeah. updates at the Chicago Auto Show of the Kia Carnival and the Kia K5. And, and yep. that's cool. Because people want to see those. Those are absolutely consumer-friendly vehicles. Jill, guess what we did? Uh, we talked a lot. We did. Yeah. yeah we, <laughs> we, we talked through a tech, a tech thing, a tech problem. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We did talk through a tech problem. So we'll have to listen to the show and see how I did doing that. <laughs> well, I, I think our, our producer, Randy, while he's eating a punch key, is going to be like <laughs> an editing wizard, and he will make us sound good. So anyway, this, this was <laughs> another episode of the podcast. Thanks to Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions. Thanks to producer Randy and the good folks here at TalkZone. Thanks to Jill for zooming in. And thanks to the folks at Mark's Chocolate in Palatine, Illinois, for the delicious pochki. And a programming update. I joined Steve and Johnny and WGN Radio, uh, WGN Radio in Chicago this coming Saturday at midnight. Listen in. Hey, Jill, let's talk more about cars again. Next week. Next week. Remember to check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. The Car Stuff Podcast is produced by J-Turn Media. To advertise on the show, please drop us a line at CarStuff at ConsumerGuide.com. 